And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is God's word. Good morning. It is good to see everyone again. I was away for the last month on vacation uh, and glad to be back. Glad to be uh, back with the church. If this is your first Sunday or if you've come in the last few weeks, I'm Scott Strickman. I'm the pastor of Emmanuel. And really thankful to Charlie Drew, who uh, preached so that I could get some time away the last few Sundays. Thankful for him. Glad that you all got the opportunity to hear from Charlie again. Uh, And also very thankful to the elders and to the staff and everyone who uh, was overseeing the the service and everything so that I could get some time away. Um, As I'm coming back, this is normally a time of year that we are thinking about Um, connecting all sorts of people who are new in July and August, people are moving to the city and especially starting around now, people who are connected to Columbia come. Uh, And normally we have all sorts of ways of meeting people and connecting with them. Uh, And this year is a little bit unusual since we're online. Um, But we're still going to go by our, our usual pattern, which is that after Memorial Day, the Sunday after that is usually when all of our regular people who have been perhaps away over various parts of the summer are back. Uh, those who are new to the city and visiting churches are often finding us around then. That's when we're going to begin our normal sermon series. So this fall, we're going to begin looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. So just week by week, we'll go through one section at a time, and that will be the main sermon series over the year. But for the next few weeks, we're doing a, a short series, just five sermons, uh, that's called Redemptive Stories. And what we're doing is each week, we're looking at a particular person who meets Jesus or hears the gospel message, and their life is changed by it. And the reason that we're, we're doing that now, we're looking at some specific individuals and their story, is because story is going to be something that we're going to be thinking about as a church this year. If you've been part of Emmanuel the last couple of years, you know that, that our, our practice in recent years has, has been that each year we have some sort of component of discipleship a way of equipping, of of coming together, of growing, that we do together as a church. And so last year, for instance, we had a scripture memory project that we worked on together. So each month there was a passage, and we encouraged uh, those individuals in the church to spend time on their own while they're waiting for the subway or while they're on a break from work, whatever the case is, to work on memorizing that particular passage. But we encouraged home groups. When you gather, uh, maybe read through the passage or have some sort of accountability. And then in our Sunday services, we would read it responsively. And the idea there was that all of us would be memorizing these sections of scripture together and it would create accountability and community and coherence. 
Uh, and then after the year of doing it, now that we're done, we still want you to memorize scripture, but we're just not creating the structure for it. Two years ago, we did a Psalm of the Month, where similarly, each month there was a Psalm, and we, we encourage you to use it in your devotional life, uh, to, to pray it at your home group. And then on Sundays, we would sing the Psalm. So we're not done with the Psalms. We hope that that year together gave you the vocabulary, the understanding of the Psalms, so that you continue to use that in your own Christian life. Well, this year, we're going to be talking about story, redemptive stories. And it's an opportunity for us to reflect on our own lives. Uh, who are we? What is it about Christianity that's compelling for us? Where do we struggle? How are our lives different if we live by faith? And what is God's story? And, and how do we and our successes and our struggles fit into that? That's something that we're going to be processing together, and it's really important for a number of reasons. Now, this is an idea that came out of conversations in a group. There were a small group of us that met throughout this last year to talk about how could we as a church be better at sharing our faith, uh, at understanding the, the clarity and truth of the Christian message so that we can um, share it with others. How could we make Christianity winsome and compelling? How could we encourage uh, courageousness in our own people to be uh, forthright about their faith? And so there was a group of us talking about these kinds of things, and we came up with a number of ideas, but one was that as a way of equipping our people, it could be helpful if people get in tune with their own story. Uh, look back and reflect, what is it that really helped me come to faith? What is it that really I still hold on to? There's a number of reasons why that's valuable. For this particular group, it was because if you're someplace and, and a friend asks you about Christianity and you have no idea where to begin, when you know what's important to you, it, it gives you the categories where you're better prepared to, so that way you're not fumbling, but you can say, well, actually, here's, here's what I can share. This is what I really appreciate about Christianity. Uh, it would be useful in, in that sense. But there's a number of reasons reflecting on our story is helpful. I'll just give uh, two examples. One is that sometimes in the chaos of life, we lose perspective and we get hopeless, we become negative, and understanding the goodness of the good news, the, the hope that we've held on to, can reorient us. Sometimes we get confused about who we are, and, and we, we enter a negative story, a negative narrative that we reorganize our lives around. And what we're, we're told with Christianity is we're invited into a story that's fundamentally hopeful. It doesn't mean your life will be easy and perfect, but it, but it helps provide that coherence so we press on. And so knowing your own story and hearing the stories of others will help us to, to be more consistent and faithful and joyful. Um, but he, here's another reason that we want to do this. So what we're thinking that we'll do is that in the home groups, uh, starting late September, early October, uh, we're going to talk to the home group leaders in the next month or so about uh, encouraging the groups to have people work on their stories. And maybe each week, one person in the group shares their story. And then if you've been at Emmanuel, you know, every few weeks we have somebody share some kind of story about how they came to faith or something God is doing in their life in the worship service. I'm hoping this next year we'll, we'll maybe have some more stories and maybe some of the stories that are shared in home groups, the, the home group may say, that's great. Why don't you share that with the church? And we'll get to hear more stories. One of the, this is always encouraging because it's a reminder that God still works in the lives of our people. So we read the Bible and, and sometimes you get the impression, well, this is what God did 2000 years ago. It's helpful to remember that today when people call out to God, God hears. That when people have needs, God shows grace and favor. So, so story is valuable, but, but especially in this extended season of meeting virtually. Um, 
as a church, we really value relationships. New York is this busy, transient place. People work a lot of hours. Their lives are very full. It's hard to be known. It's hard to develop deep relationships. So as a church, we're constantly having to push to find ways to to make it better and easier for us to connect. And now it's just a little bit harder since we can't meet together. Normally after service, we spend an hour drinking coffee, having a bagel, talking, uh, inviting people uh, out to the park for the afternoon. And now on Zoom, uh, we're just slightly more disconnected. And I think this year, sharing our stories in a Zoom home group, uh, in our Zoom Sunday service, uh, could be a way of, of just remembering that we're a community, we're people. God is still at work in our lives. Now, I'm hoping we will resume ordinary worship as soon as we are able, uh, but we're still not sure when that's going to happen. So, so whether or not we're back in the James Chapel, some of us in September, or whether we're on Zoom for much longer, I do think that, that sharing our stories will be a way of making sure we we remember that as a community, it's about being known, about knowing one another, and about seeing how God is at work in our lives. So in the next five weeks to set up for that, we're going to look at people in the Bible. Today, we're looking at a man named Bartimaeus. And as we look at today's passage from the Gospel of Mark, I'm going to just share three things, God's redemptive story, Bartimaeus's redemptive story, and our redemptive story. And so I'm beginning with God's redemptive story, because really as a church, that, that is our concern. Before we think about ourselves, who are we? What are we about? What do we value? What is our hope in life? Uh, those questions are best answered when we, when we go into God's story, when we open the scriptures and we say, well, who is God? What is the world about? Why did God make us? What does he want for us? Where are we going? It's important to know the story of scripture. And for Bartimaeus, um, it's this strange thing. It would be great to know more about him. <laughs> uh, how did he become blind? How long has he been sitting there asking for money? Does he live alone? Is there anybody who helps him? Uh, why is he in Jericho? Did he grow up there? Did he come there just because it was close to Jerusalem and he knew that the, the pilgrims would pass through on the way and it was, it was just a better way for him to sustain himself? These are the kinds of questions many of us are interested in when we read this story. And it would be great to know those things, but, but we know something about an essential moment in Bartimaeus' life that helps us and it helps us because we see something about God's grace to him but we see that God does something in his life that, that has echoes of the story of Scripture. Think of the prophet Isaiah saying that Isaiah would be sent to a people who would see but not perceive, and they would hear but they wouldn't understand. And because they turned from God, they would be marginalized, they would be poor, they would be mocked and ridiculed, they would be silenced. There's a sense in which there's this national identity and concern. Has God forgotten us? Does he hate us? Will God one day come and heal us? Um, that's in the backdrop. And, and Bartimaeus is a member of that community. And, and the community in the first century is struggling, Israel under Roman occupation. But some people found ways to thrive in that society, sometimes through compromise, sometimes through other ways. Bartimaeus was a member of a struggling community, but he was among the most struggling. And so we see in his story that he's somebody who is marginalized. He's, he's off on the side of the way and the crowd comes through and he calls out and the crowd says, be quiet. There's somebody important here. There's Jesus of Nazareth. And look, you're just a beggar. And, and so, so what would Bartimaeus's story have been as, as he rethinks his own life? Well, we don't know his thought processes, 
But what we do know is that Mark uses this story to remind us that sometimes those who think they see don't always see, they don't perceive, they don't understand. And sometimes the people we think don't have access to seeing and understanding are the ones who actually do. That's part of what what God is doing redemptively in this section of the book of Mark. And this story is less about a miracle that shows, look at the power in Jesus. Let's be impressed by how God works through him. Some of the miracles really have that sense, the way they're recorded. This seems to be less about look what Jesus can do, but but look at what God is doing through Jesus, the one he promised who would come and would, would welcome in, would open eyes, would, would restore. And so we see that through uh, verse 47. Bartimaeus is there, and, and it says, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. What is this commotion? What, what is this crowd coming? Whether somebody hears it's Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Jesus of Nazareth was, was just how he would be known as a human being. He's not Jesus of uh, Jericho or or Jesus of, of any of the other towns. This is his humanity, his lineage. And in Mark, we find that people are looking at this Jesus of Nazareth, this human being, and trying to make sense of him. Uh, let's look at his teaching. He, he seems unusually wise. D- does that mean he's sent from God? Let's look at these signs. How do we make sense of a human being can do, who can do only what God can do? <clears throat> Clearly, <clears throat> God is at work in him. Well, what does that mean? Is, is he the, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ? Uh, but, but, but human beings are looking with their eyes at Jesus of Nazareth, this human being, and they're trying to make sense of how he fits in the story. And what we find happening throughout the story is he's consistently misunderstood. The religious leaders are looking at the scripture, they're understanding him wrong. His own disciples are misunderstanding him. And Jesus comes as the rabbi. That's what Bartimaeus calls him, the teacher, the one who will actually instruct in the way of truth to, to bring God's story together. And, and why is it that he creates the coherence, whereas others constantly are getting aspects of the story wrong? It's because Jesus is not simply teaching it, but he's fulfilling it. He's coming in real time as the one who brings the story together. And therefore, in all the confusion, whether it's the rich or the poor or the very educated or the uneducated, nobody is fully understanding Jesus. And in the context of Bartimaeus's story in Mark, you know, the next story we get, the very next story is Jesus going into Jerusalem on, on what's commemorated, what we call Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, where Jesus rides, he, he comes to the city of David, the promised king, where the city had long awaited for a son of David to come. And the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, save us. Um, that's the next thing that happens. So, so as Jesus is walking through Jer- Jericho, he's not there to meet Bartimaeus, he's there to, to go into Jerusalem. But but he meets Bartimaeus along the way. But the previous stories are quite interesting. Uh, there are other people who are bringing individuals to Jesus. And in, in Mark 10, they, they bring children. And the disciples themselves don't bother the important teacher with these little kids. And so, so the, the, the people are being corrected for bringing children. But Jesus says, you need to receive the kingdom like children. So, so he welcomes them. And then a rich and, and what seems like an upright man comes to Jesus. And in those days, you could be rich because you were a tax collector and corrupt. But if you were an honest person, you must have been rich because of God's blessing. And here's a guy who speaks of his morality and asks about the kingdom. But Jesus uh, shows him the radical nature of Christianity. And the guy goes away sad. And there's this story here that, that the children who the disciples would send away are welcomed by Jesus. But the person they would have thought was the greatest picture of faith 
still didn't meet the standard, it would seem. That's confusing. So now Jesus comes to Bartimaeus, and at Bartimaeus' invitation, asks him, what should I do for you? We've just heard this question. James and John are walking with Jesus, and they have a request, and Jesus says to them, what would you like me to do for you? And they say, we'd like one of us to sit on your left and one on your right. See, they've followed him. They want prominence. And the other 10 disciples get angry. Look at these arrogant bums. Why are, why are they asking for prominence? And, and yet it shows that even though they were with Jesus, they didn't understand. And so here, what do you want me to do for you? They want prominence. They misunderstood the kingdom. But here's Bartimaeus. He just wanted to see. And there's something in that picture that, that, that those who, who are seeing the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth are not getting it right. And here's a guy who can't see. And verse 47 says, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's the only one in Mark that explicitly calls him the son of David. Now, there are other allusions. So, for instance, in the next passage, he's coming in and there's blessing on the God, the father of of, uh, the kings of David's line. Um, And uh, Peter is asked, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And some people think he's John the Baptist, back from the dead, or some people think he's a prophet. And Jesus says, who do you say I am? He says, you're the Christ, the Messiah. That, that would be the son of David. So, so this concept is not unique to, to Bartimaeus, but it's interesting. In the whole of Mark's gospel, it's the one who can't see him, who identifies something fundamentally true at this moment. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, And it's the man who's blind, the man who is poor, the man who's being told to shut up, who's calling out, son of David. And it's that sense of God's redemptive story that that Bartimaeus seemed to have understood something of as a member of this community. His hope was in the promise, the salvation of God, perhaps that maybe in his own struggle, God would enter his life and do something. And so is this Jesus just Jesus of Nazareth, or is this the son of David? Because if this is the the promised one, me, blind Bartimaeus, I'm going to call out with hope because it's hopeful because I trust in God as God fulfilling his story. And as we reflect on on story, it's interesting thinking about what story is informing how we think. Because all of us are being shaped by stories around us, by narratives, by ideology. Uh, And one of the things that we notice is that if we're in the wrong story, we misunderstand Jesus. We judge him wrong because he never fits our story. And so the story of the religious leaders in Jesus's day or the the story of the the thriving uh, spiritual person still didn't bring together the coherence that they understood what Jesus is doing, that Jesus didn't always fit their expectations. And what story is informing you? There are various stories that we talk about these days. There's the consumer story, which says you're bored. Life is not enough, but, but there's always something new offered to you. And if you, if you just go out and get it, if you're up to date on technology or the latest thing, you won't be bored. You won't be irrelevant, but you'll be tied to the mainstream. That, that story shapes how we experience life. It, it seems to promise some sense of purpose and meaning, but, but it's a story that we should question. Today, there's the revolutionary story. We're angry. Uh, We want to vent our anger by overthrowing those in charge because then we can be in charge and and things will be better. That that story is shaping how people think. There's the success story. If I could identify myself with the right institutions, if I could hit the right markers, then I will thrive. I will be somebody. There's the peer pressure 
kind of story, the narratives that are made up that say, if, if, you, if you know the subtle signals, you will be one of us. And so before you post that video of you lip syncing on TikTok, keep in mind there are some people we're laughing with and there's some people we're laughing at. Do you know the difference? Because if you understand our story, we will like you and we will rejoice you. If you don't, we're going to repost this, but um, you're not going to get what you're looking for. And so our stories create this inner sense where somebody is always on the outside, neglected, poor, and struggling. And what we're told is that there is one story that's redemptive. The other stories, if you let them play out over time, will always show the cycle of disappointment. They don't promise what you're longing for and what they seem to tie into. Bartimaeus is somebody here who, because he was hopeless, he was able to tap into the unique hope of Jesus. Who else could have could Bartimaeus have made this request of? And because he was familiar with the story of God at this point in his desperation, he called out, and he is the one who understood something of the reality of Jesus. And as we look at our own stories and, and our struggles with Jesus, often we think that our problems with Christianity are at an intellectual level. If only I had more evidence than I would believe, and we don't realize that sometimes we've already decided Jesus doesn't fit my expectation. I assume that, that, that God and his servant would be successful, that it would be obvious that he'd be one of the, the go-getters. And, and Jesus, he seems to have a lot of inefficiencies in his ministry. We assume he's the strong guy who fights the power, and yet it's not clear always where he stands. And so uh, whatever our narrative is, if we're looking for the cool Jesus that will come into our circle and help us to be accepted in some cool circle— Jesus never quite fits in any of those stories. And we find ourselves saying, I need evidence to know that Jesus is compelling. But sometimes we've already decided that we like our story and we want to know if Jesus fits in it. But the question is really, if God is God, do you want his story to make sense to you? Or is it more reasonable to think God is wise and he's going to do something bigger than I could comprehend or understand or control? And therefore, what's important is for me to learn his story. What is God saying? What is God showing through the scriptures? And how is Jesus making those things known with sharpness and clarity and fulfilling them? Jesus may not fit everything I'm looking for in life, but is his redemptive promise true? In which case, if I reorient my life to him, will I actually find that the problem is not that Jesus doesn't fit my expectations, but I've had the wrong expectations for my own life? That's the opportunity. Understanding a redemptive story to go from a story where our hopes are disappointing to a story where we're actually anchored in hope. That's what's promised to us. And so Bartimaeus just gives us a hint of that. The one who's blind calls out to the son of David. It's a unique claim in a unique moment. We read about Bartimaeus, not because he's our role model, but because through him, God does something that teaches us about who God is and his story. But I'm going to talk next about Bartimaeus. Because yes, we could talk about God's grand redemptive story, but us as individuals, as unique strugglers, uh, what do we have to do with the descendants of Abraham? What do we have to do about the people brought out of Egypt? We weren't there when Jesus was seen alive from the dead. So me and my struggles, what does that have to do with anything? One of the things about God's story is he, he goes through the earth and, and he knows those whom he has created and those whom he calls. And, and our individuality is not wiped out. God sees us for who we are. And in Bartimaeus' story, 
we ourselves don't know his backstory, his struggle, but Bartimaeus did. <laughs> and when Jesus comes by, Bartimaeus doesn't come and say, Jesus, give me another parable. Tell me more about the story. But, but he has a concern for himself. But Jesus is not uh, too important in his own conception to say, don't bother me with you and your poverty and your blindness. But Jesus sees and cares. It's, it's the crowd who has a different story, a different wondering, is Jesus the one who's going to be the Savior as we conceive of the Savior, who says, Bartimaeus, shut up. Don't bother the teacher. Don't you understand we're going to Jerusalem? But Jesus is different. Jesus is not only seen in a unique way by Bartimaeus, but Jesus sees Bartimaeus in a way that others didn't see him. And so Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus, but the more profound thing is Jesus calls out to Bartimaeus and has him brought. And in verse 51 says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, this is a question he asked James and John, and they want status. That's the story. They, they were doing well enough. They wanted their lives to do better. Bartimaeus probably would have wanted status, but his life was such that he wanted something more basic. His answer is, verse 51, let me recover my sight. And I think the word recover is, is an important one there because uh, the, the redemptive story is a story about a humanity who is lost and loses. And in our wanderings and in our unique stories, we experience that differently. The, the brokenness of life plays itself out. Some wind up poor, some wind up disabled, some wind up lonely, some wind up dying young, some wind up betrayed. Each of us experiences some aspect of, of losing something, of decline, of suffering. Uh, and we have that in common, but, but we experience this in unique ways. And for, for Bartimaeus, he lost something. Now, you could translate verse 51, I want to see, but most translations translate it something to the effect of let me recover my sight, gives the impression that, that unlike some whom Jesus healed who were born blind, uh, Bartimaeus perhaps at one point was able to see. We don't know that, but, but his request is, I want to recover my sight. I'd like to see perhaps again. Uh, there was something I had that I no longer have. And that's part of his story. And, and what happens in our stories, our human stories, when we lose something valuable, the rest of our stories often align with it. And so for Bartimaeus, he loses his sight. I don't know what he was doing before then, but, but in the first century, he lost his livelihood. They didn't have the same view and outlook to people with disabilities we have today where we recognize, oh, no, a person who's blind could, could be a physician or could do research or could be a music teacher. Uh, we've come a long way in, in recognizing um, how to view people with disabilities. There's still a long way to go. Uh, but in Bartimaeus's day, in losing his sight, he lost his livelihood. And so now he lost poverty. And in in losing his livelihood, he lost status. Now he's on the side being told to be quiet. Don't talk to Jesus of Nazareth. And there's something about understanding story that helps us because when things are going well, everything seems to be going well. But, but at any moment where our lives turn, it's hard to not have other things in our lives to reorient towards that turn. So Bartimaeus' story is of not just losing sight, but of, of losing the kinds of things most of us want for a life that thrives. And his story is, is fascinating because Jesus, in restoring his sight, doesn't simply meet one particular need, but verse 52, he says, go your own way. 
go your way. I'm giving you what you've asked for. Your faith has made you well. He trusted. He believed. And we find that being made well was more than being given sight. Jesus gives him sight through his power and through grace. But because he looked to the son of David, he's made well in a much more profound way. So verse 52 says, immediately he recovered his sight. This is a redemptive story. What was lost has been brought back to reality. He recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Jesus gives him the freedom. Now that, now that you've met me in my mercy and power, go to the life whenever you want. But the one who has seen the son of David, the one who has received mercy, follows him on the way. So now the one who is silenced, the one who is poor, the one who was outside as the crowd is coming by, comes just in time for Jesus's entry to Jerusalem. So not only did he hear of Jesus's coming, not only does he see for the first time in what may have been years, but the first thing he sees is the son of David on a cult coming to the city of Jerusalem who had waited for him and prayed for the peace of Jerusalem and the salvation of God for years. Bartimaeus was not simply given his sight, but he was given a name in this story of, of the whole crowd. He was brought back into the center. He'd re he's remembered in the word of God and his faith has made him well. He now not only sees the son of David, but he sees the son of David in his glory coming to his city. And, and it's, it's that work of redemption where, where God comes in and meets a particular struggle, a particular need at times. Uh, but sometimes he doesn't meet it in our time. We, you know, I don't know what Bartimaeus was thinking. He was not sitting around waiting for the Messiah. He was sitting around waiting for people to pass by on the way to Jerusalem to give him money. That's the most that this world could give him. Just give me a livelihood. I'll accept my blindness. I'm going to have to deal with my poverty. He was not waiting for the Savior, but, but in that waiting, and this is what interests me, was, it, was he blind for a year? Was he blind for 20 years? We have no idea. That long period where he was just waiting for people to show compassion and watching people going to Jerusalem and his perhaps never being able to join, I don't know. But in God's time when the Son of David comes, he doesn't just receive his sight, but he receives his livelihood, he receives his community, he's brought back. And in so many stories of how Christians come to faith, people who come to the Christian faith, um, you know, everyone's story is different. And this year, as we talk, we'll find that, that each of us have different backgrounds. There are different things about Christianity that's compelling, different moments that have happened. For some people, people will say, I grew up in a Christian home, and I was taught that this is true, and, it, and it's it's always been great. And yeah, I've wandered and I've had my struggles, but for the most part, why would I leave Jesus since I know who he is? For some, the story is, I, I just, I was on a, a, an intellectual pursuit of trying to understand the truth and, and reality. And, and I, I found the teaching of Jesus compelling. And that's what, what brought me in. There are all sorts of different stories, but a really common story, a really common story is that that it was once I suffered, once I experienced brokenness, once this world let me down, once I was rejected, once I lost something valuable, once I was physically disabled, uh, once I was fired from my job, once the person I loved left me, once I realized the, the troubling family background I had with clarity, all of these things, these moments in life that are non-redemptive moments, that are harmful moments, that are broken moments, and we reorient our lives because it's not simply now I'm a guy who got fired. But why would somebody fire me? I must not be good enough. And if I'm not good enough, what hope is there that I could get work or if I get work that I'm just going to be somebody 
going along or, or, or why would that person break up with me? It's, it's not simply that they met somebody else, but there's something insufficient in me. Will I be lonely for the rest of my life? Maybe that explains why my parents seem to like my siblings better than me. And all of a sudden you start to re-see reality in non-redemptive ways. And we construct all of reality around our brokenness, around what we've lost. And it's this difficult component of humanity. It's so common in the Christian story that when people have realized the other stories fail them, or the other stories are going on and promising success, but, but they no longer have access to it. They're, they're being told to be quiet because the more important people in that story are present. It's in that moment when so many people have said, uh, there's nothing, I'm hopeless, I'm unworthy. And when, what they've realized about the son of David is not just that he's powerful and that he comes when promised, but that he's merciful. And that's what he cries out. Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's those who, who realize that the failings of their lives and, and, and the, the mockery of the world leaves them most needing mercy when they realize that the redemptive story is that God, the creator, God, the giver, God, the just, whom we've walked away from, is merciful, that that often is the compelling thing that says, why would I not come to Jesus? It's not simply that he speaks the truth. It's not simply that he shows the work of God. But when I call out to him, he doesn't tell me to be quiet, but in his time, he calls out to me. And he asks me what I want. And if I have faith, he, he makes me well. And for many, that's the, the transition, the conversion point. Many people will come to faith and say it was years of drug use, living on the street, prison. Or it was, I thought that Wall Street was the answer. And then when I got fired and wound up working in construction, years of calling out to God, then I saw it. Or the person who has an accident and they're left physically changed. Uh, so many people in those moments would say, once I realized there was dignity, that Jesus sees, he cares, he loves, why would I not come to him and follow him on his way? Now, that's not everybody's story. But the reality is everyone in their story will have to grapple with that part of God's redemptive story, which means you may have come to faith because you see that Christianity is wonderful and hopeful. But in this world, at some point, you will realize that Jesus offers mercy and you need it more than you're often aware of. And that's what's good about going not God's, knowing God's redemptive story, which is to say that, that when I'm mocked by the world, when I'm rejected, when I feel like I'm not good enough, and, and the whole of life becomes hopeless and negative, you can say that's not true if Jesus is who he said he is. If Jesus has called me and Jesus calls you, and he says your faith will make you well, so, so believe in me and follow me on the way and you will see the redemption of God. And it's that hopeful story that then allows us to exist in a world where in your workplace, there's the success story and you feel like, I'm not going to get caught up in that. And in your peer group, there's the cool story and you're not going to get caught up in that. Or whatever the narratives of this world that convey to you, you're not good enough. We have a story that says, but, but Christ is merciful and he sees me and, and he is the one who's good enough. And so why am I worried about living up to these other stories that will ultimately fail? Why don't I join with the one who will lead me? so that I follow him and will not neglect me, will not mock me, will not silence me, but invites me. It's that sense that Bartimaeus didn't just recover his sight, but he recovered everything. 
some scholars speculate, why was he named? You know, usually we get, here's a man born blind. Here's a woman uh, who had a, an issue with bleeding. Why was Bartimaeus blind? We don't know, but there, there's a certain um, theory that says he must have been a leader in the Jerusalem church, that he was known uh, after this, that Mark in writing the gospel thought I better name him because people reading Mark's gospel in the first century would have known it. We don't know that. But clearly there's a sense in which, from the perspective of God's redemptive story, God has done something in Bartimaeus's life. So this leaves the question, what about our redemptive story? What about you? Here's the last thing I'm going to talk about. There's God's story and Bartimaeus as he fits into it. But this is, this is written for us so that we can see something of who God is and how he works. And so what is your story? A faith in the Bible is a way of seeing. And there's a sense in which our sight will sometimes let us down. We can discern true things, but to understand, we need more than just that sense perception. We need something deeper, and that's what Jesus will show us. He will reveal to us through his teaching, but more powerfully through the spirit he puts in us to open our eyes. Um, faith is, is not what we, the way we cope with the gaps in our story. It's, it's a way of understanding the truth of God's story, and, and therefore it's a way of really getting to know who we are. And what's often uh, hard to keep together for us is what we see in, in Bartimaeus' word in verse 47. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, you're powerful. You're the one God had sent. You're a person of worthy and honor. And therefore, I'm not worthy of being here. But on the other hand, you're merciful. And we can believe in Jesus who's merciful and nice, but not understand his power. Or we can believe in a God who is powerful, but not understand his mercy. In our story, we need, we need to grasp both of those. Because God in his power is able to, to do in your life things beyond what you can expect and will, through the resurrection one day, make us all well. But God is merciful. He will not leave you out just because you feel like a failure or you feel marginalized or excluded. And so, so the words of, of this crowd that changes when Jesus calls Bartimaeus in verse 49, take heart, get up, he's calling you. That's the nature of Christian conversion. That's the nature of the Christian story, not you're defeated. Why don't you give in and come back to God before he destroys you? But, but take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Haven't you seen what life apart from God does? Don't you see what the world organized apart from the redemptive story will do to you? Take heart. Get up. He is calling you because he's merciful. He's the son of David who comes to seek and to save after those who have lost and those who are lost. So verse 42, 52, your, your faith has made you well. That, that's the promise. If you trust him, you will be made well. And yes, we need to wait on the Lord through our suffering. And we don't know prior to the resurrection of all people what God will do in any of our lives. But God is often merciful that a need that we don't think will ever be met, Jesus comes and he knows our needs. He doesn't say, don't be superficial. Realize the important thing is that, that the church thrives and that you're giving your money. He knows our specific needs, so we call out for mercy. What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus wanted to see. Maybe you want to work this week. Maybe you want your chronic pain to go away. We pray those prayers, and Jesus sees, and he cares, but, but it's as we trust him that the story realigns, which is to say if you're suffering, you're not a loser. If you're failing in life, that doesn't mean you'll fail with the whole of your life. It's that redemptive story that Bartimaeus is given sight just at the moment that he could see Jesus going into Jerusalem. But the story would likely confuse Bartimaeus, given I have no idea what he thought the son of David, who he thought the son of David would be. 
But his eyes are opened and he follows Jesus on the way. And it's the way into Jerusalem, the, the king who comes humbly on a cult, offering peace to a city. Bartimaeus would see that. But if Bartimaeus stuck around for just less than one week, he would also see those who thought they could see reject him. And he would see Jesus, the son of David, who's merciful, rejected, <laughs> would see him silenced, would see him afflicted with pain, would see his body destroyed, would see his possessions taken from him. Bartimaeus would not only see the triumphal entry, but Bartimaeus had the opportunity to see what humanity does to people who don't fit their narrative. The one who saved him has been crucified. That would likely be confusing. Bartimaeus would say, well, what do I know? I've got my sight, but maybe he wasn't the son of David, because who would kill God, God's Messiah? And yet, that's what Bartimaeus does not yet know. That's what most of us don't really grasp which is that the reason Jesus makes us well is because before we enter his redemptive story, he enters ours. He comes to us in our darkness, in our lostness, in our pain, in our suffering, in our confusion. And unlike the rest of the world that says, once you get it together, you can join me, he calls us. And Bartimaeus would see darkness come upon Jesus. That Bartimaeus for the first time can see will realize Jesus won't be able to see his own father as he cries out in forsakenness. That Bartimaeus, who is poor, is watching Jesus, who has his possessions taken from him. Bartimaeus, who is marginalized, sees Jesus brought outside of the city. Bartimaeus, who is silenced, sees Jesus unable to talk because the crowds are shouting mockery at him. Somehow, Bartimaeus finds himself joining with Jesus, where Jesus takes his place. It's not simply that he gives him sight, but he gives him all things by taking all things for him. He joins Bartimaeus in the unredemptive story so that Bartimaeus could join him in the redemptive story. And what we're told is when we ask, when we are asked by God, what do you want me to do for you? Our first instinct, it's not superficial to say, I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to be lonely. Uh, I, I, I don't want to continue on in this scenario. Jesus hears that. We pray those prayers. But what we're told is that he knows, he, he has mercy, and, and he understands our prayer, not just because he's able through his power to heal us, but he's able through his compassion to welcome us. And that realigns our story, which means that even if you're blind and you are not given your sight in this world, you are given dignity, you are given value, you are given hope, you are given a place in a community, and Jesus one day will give you your sight through the resurrection. That's what we're told. And so this story of mercy, it's, it's in those moments where we realize our need is desperate, that we find ourselves saying, who is like the son of David, the one who has compassion, the one who has power, but, but I can approach. He's not like the, the people who have power in this world. These words of Jesus have, uh, these words of Bartimaeus, I should say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Um, have become a, a brief phrase that shows the essence of one of the most fundamental prayers of genuine Christian people, which is an understanding that none of us are good enough, but Jesus is gracious and merciful. And it's through that prayer, sometimes we find ourselves going through all of these prayers of saying all the things we feel like we should say, but, but at our heart level, what we really need to be praying is, Jesus Christ, I'm, 
of David, have mercy on me. And that prayer in our confusion, in our struggle, becomes so powerful and profound uh, in, in what's called the Orthodox Church, the Eastern Churches, Russia, Armenia, Greece. Uh, there's a tradition of praying a prayer that sounds very much like these words. It's slightly modified, and sometimes it's modified in different ways, but, but what's called the Jesus Prayer. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in, in, in the mystical tradition in the Eastern Church, they'll sit in and have a prayer service where they just pray this over and over for 15, 20 minutes. Now, Protestants will... will quickly and rightly so say, Jesus warns us about vain repetitions. You don't just keep praying the same saying over and over as if you need to, to placate God and convince him. And that's certainly right. But I have a friend who is a Protestant who uh, was, was somebody in life who always aspired to status. But there was something about him that he often found himself <laughs> embarrassing himself or falling short. And he became a Christian and, and he, he believed Christianity to be true, but he often had this thing that he wanted to be accepted and respected in the church, but he brought in his story that he never felt good enough. And one of the ways that was displayed was through his prayer life, that, that on his own, he felt he had this should. I should be able to pray like the pastor's teaching us to pray. And he would sit at home with his Bible. And I think if he was younger, he probably would have been diagnosed with ADHD. He's just somebody in conversation with him. His mind is all over the place. He would sit down to pray and he would start reading the Bible and he'd be thinking about other things. And then he would start to pray and his prayer read like the book Ulysses that he would just wind up all over the place. And, and what it did is he found himself feeling like I'm not good enough. And so publicly he never wanted to pray in the church. And he felt it, it was both a genuine sense of wanting to belong and feeling he wasn't good enough and also a prideful sense of wanting to be esteemed that, that it built resentment. The church is a place that should accept me. And the church did accept him, but because of this, he was more in tune with how he didn't belong. So this friend somehow discovers this Jesus prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he knows that vain repetitions don't work. So he, he's not manipulating, he's not controlling God, but he finds himself going to this prayer meeting where every time he says, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, He's able to take thoughts captive. His, his normal scatter thing, every time he said it, he's able to take some component of his life and bring it in. And some component of his life, and where he, he felt previously he couldn't pray for more than 10 seconds, he would now spend 15 minutes drawing closer to God because each time he said, have, have mercy on me, a sinner, he realized that the pride that he had that kept him feeling excluded didn't belong. It was okay that he was a sinner in God's presence. And the more he would take his, his varied thoughts captive, uh, when he saw the good things, but also when he saw the negative things, he was able to say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it was there that he got in tune with the true shape that sin had taken in his life. But his prayer was, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And as he got closer to just how deep his need was, he sat before God constantly remembering, but this is the Son of God who's merciful. He understood the heart of Jesus in a way that he had not, and it, it changed his relationship. It brought healing to him. Not only is he somebody who can now pray, but the way he prayed when he understood the depth of his sin, but the depth of God's mercy made him want to lead other people in this prayer. <laughs> And so he started a prayer meeting so he could help other people like himself 
And he didn't start a prayer meeting so he could be one of the leaders in the church. He started a prayer meeting because he wanted people to understand his, the mercy of God. But, but what happened, he became a leader in the church, not because of his pride, but because in his lowliness, he realized the church was different than any community he had been in. He got most of that right, but in his struggles with the church, God showed him that, that the church is flawed, but, but he is merciful. And that once he stayed with the community that looks at God's redemptive story, his healing took on new shape. And, and that's what's offered to us in the gospel. We're, we're told it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you. Are you calling out to God? Are you looking to the son of David, Jesus? Because if you are, he is calling you and you will hear it. And when he calls, he will ask you what you want. He will know you and who you are. And he will bring healing. And you may need to be patient and you may need to wait. And you may find that things appear to get worse before they get better. But he is with you in that because he died on your behalf. And you will be with him in how he has been raised to new life and all things have been restored. Whatever you've lost, you will not be lost by Jesus. And so have faith in him. That's the redemptive story. And the more we work the details of our lives into that story, the more any of us finds we have value, we have hope, we have belonging. We can rejoice today in the miseries of our lives because the specific miseries are not our whole story. So let's be thinking about that this year. I'm going to close our time in prayer now. Our Father, each of us comes with different stories. This week, our story has been different. Some of us are rejoicing. Some of us are just glad for the day. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are angry. Some of us are filled with sorrow. Some of us are confused. Lord, all types come into your church, and all types are invited and welcome. And we pray that every person here, every person who's part of our community, would have that gracious working of your spirit to open our eyes that we would see the Son of David and that we would understand with depth your mercy, that you are not like anyone else and your story is not like other stories. Lord, welcome us in and bring healing to every one of us, especially the most struggling. Help us to see uh, every redemptive thing you're doing, that none of us would be without hope, none of us would be discouraged, none of us would be overwhelmed, but that we would face the problems we have by faith, that we would endure, um, but that we would have hope. And so, Lord, do that work in our midst uh, by your power and by your grace. We appeal to you for mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.